Welcome to the markets. Hello again, Orion Samuelson here with you as we take our weekly look at what happened on Wall Street and what happened in the agricultural commodity trade for the week just ending. But before I go into the numbers, as I normally do to begin this broadcast, let me begin with an apology. I apologize for giving you the wrong date a week ago. I said that President's Day would be this past Monday. It would be a trading holiday. I was only one week off, and one of my good listeners said, you probably just wanted to speed up this winter season and speed up the month to get out of the polar vortex and all of the other winter weather we've had. That's a pretty good explanation. I'll accept that, and thank you for suggesting that's the reason I was a week earlier. But this Monday will be President's Day, and the markets will be closed in observance of President's Day. Now, let's get to the numbers on Wall Street this week. Today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 443 points, ended the day and the week at 25,882. The S&P 500 up 30 points, ending the week at 2775.54. And the NASDAQ up 45 points and ending the week at 74.72. For the week, the S&P rose 2.5%, the Dow gained 3%, the NASDAQ climbed 2.5%, And one addition to all of that, the Dow and the NASDAQ made the eighth straight week of increases in the Wall Street trade this week. Eight straight weeks that we've climbed on the Dow and the NASDAQ. Not a bad record. But now let's take a look at what happened today, because the market performance today certainly was pretty good. Wall Street rallied, the Dow and the NASDAQ posting that eighth consecutive weekly gain pattern. Investors growing hopeful that, you know what it is, the United States and China would hammer out an agreement resolving their protracted trade war. But decades ago, a friend of mine in the market activity said, watching the markets and trade negotiations is like watching paint dry. It all seems to go on forever. But talks between the United States and China will resume in Washington next week. Both sides saying progress has been made toward resolving the two countries' contentious trade dispute. Tariff-vulnerable industrials provided the biggest lift to the blue-chip Dow, led by Bellwethers, Boeing, 3M, United Technologies, and Caterpillar. One analyst said this may be just false hope with the tariff situation as thorny details still need to be agreed on. And indeed, the trade dispute's effects were all reflected in Deere and Company's earnings report, which came on below analyst estimates in part because of slowing international trade. We will talk more about that John Deere quarterly report a little bit later. But now with nearly 80% of the S&P 500 companies having reported fourth quarter earnings 
The earnings season is largely in the rearview mirror. Analysts now see a profit increase of 16.2% for the quarter. Going forward, Well, the outlook isn't getting any better. First quarter earnings are currently seen falling by half a percent, the first year-on-year decline since mid-2016, if it happens. But today, all 11 major sectors in the S&P 500 ended the session in the black. Shares of PepsiCo up 3%, even after the snack and beverage company forecast a surprise decline in full-year profit. NVIDIA Corporation up 1.8% following the company's forecast for its current fiscal year that topped expectations on Wall Street. Amazon.com shares were down nine-tenths of a percent coming after scrapping its plans for a headquarters in New York. In fact, each of Amazon's fellow FANG members, a group of momentum stocks, which also includes Facebook, Apple, Netflix, and Google parent Alphabet, also ended today's session in the minus category. And looking at oil, well, that went the other direction today. Oil prices up more than 2%, reaching their highest level this year today after an outage at Saudi Arabia's offshore oil field boosted expectations for tightening supply while progressing U.S. Sino trade talks, there they are again, strengthened the demand sentiment. The international Brent crude benchmark rose $1.68 a barrel to settle at $66.25. That's its highest price since November. And U.S. Crude up a dollar eighteen cents at fifty five dollars fifty nine cents a barrel on the close, hitting their highest level this year. The week Brent ended more than six percent higher, and U.S. crude gained more than five percent. Part of that on tightening supplies since the organization of the petroleum exporting countries and its allies led by Russia started voluntary production cuts last month. So now, as the earnings season winds down, we look ahead to next week and what we should be watching for in reports and other activity that will have an impact on the market in addition to progress if it does come in the China-U.S. trade talks. The Federal Open Market Committee likely to release the minutes from its January 29 and 30 policy meeting on Wednesday. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits to be released on Thursday expected to drop to 228,000 from last week's 239,000. Meanwhile, data on durable goods orders due on the same day likely to have gone up one and a half percent in December. CVS Health Corporation expected to report higher fourth quarter profit on Wednesday, aided by strength in its retail pharmacy segment, and investors will focus on commentary about recent proposals by the U.S. government to overhaul the drug rebate rule as well as on CVS's recently closed deal to acquire Aetna.
The 2019 Monetary Policy Forum, hosted by the Initiative on Global Markets, University of Chicago Booth School of Business on Friday, will see Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard, Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia President Patrick Harker, and Federal Reserve Vice Chair uh, Randall Quarles participate in the event. Thursday, Baidu Incorporated scheduled to report its fourth quarter earnings following a punishing year for the country's tech sector, which saw that company downgrade its full-year revenue estimates. Kraft Heinz Company expected to report an increase in fourth quarter sales on Thursday, as the tater tots maker sees higher demand in the United States. Newmont Mining Corporation expected to post a fourth quarter quarter profit on Thursday. And on Thursday, Bungie scheduled to report fourth quarter results after warning last month that its earnings in two of its business segments, including agribusiness, its largest in terms of revenue, will be short of its earlier forecast. Medtronic, Expected to report a rise in third quarter earnings, likely to benefit from growth in its cardiac and surgical product units. Investors will watch for updates on its diabetes unit and comments on the progress of its surgical robotic system. And when I mention Medtronic, I'm talking to a lot of you out there who have pacemakers. More than likely came from the Medtronic company. So that's what's ahead for the week in the standpoint of earnings reports and government reports. One other note that I want to make uh, this week. U.S. manufacturing fell sharply in January, led by the biggest drop in motor vehicle production since the recession. The Federal Reserve's report today came on the heels of data on Thursday, showing retail sales tumbling by the most in more than nine years in December. And that string of weak reports, together with tame inflation, supportive of the Fed's pledge to be, quote, patient before raising interest rates any further this year. One analyst said it looks like Fed officials were smart to stop their gradual rate hikes as the economy seems to have entered a soft patch. Manufacturing production slumped nine-tenths of a percent in January, the biggest drop in eight months. And data for December was revised downward to show output at factories rising eight-tenths of a percent instead of the previously reported 1.1 percent gain. And motor vehicle and parts production tumbled 8.8% last month, the largest drop since May of 2019 when the economy was in recession. Automakers are cutting back on production to manage the bloated inventories of some models in anticipation of declining sales this year. Production is also dropping as a few plants are changing over to new models. But those auto industry numbers indeed concerned investors in the marketplace this week. 
Again, let me correct a week ago when I said markets will be closed last Monday. No, they'll be closed this Monday for observance of President's Day. More to come when we continue on the markets. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. We welcome back Bryce Knorr of Farm Futures Magazine to talk markets with us this week as we get closer to planting time. And the question, of course, is how many acres of corn, how many acres of soybeans? What's your latest projection? Well, we put out a uh, survey the first week of January. Actually, our second survey of planting intention showed farmers wanted to plant 90.3 million acres of corn, uh, 84.6 million acres of soybeans. Those uh, were, that was less corn and more soybeans than some in the industry are thinking of. Of course, uh, farmer planting intentions, I think, are going to vary widely uh, depending on uh, what day of the week it is, what the markets are doing, and what the weather is doing. Uh, So many acres are in play due to the slow application of fall fertilizer. A lot of field work did not get done. Uh, so that gives people the ability to switch, and then some people just may not be able to plant all the early corn they want to. They may be forced to uh, move more ground to soybeans. So as we approach planting time, can last-minute decisions be made, or does the fertilizer program and crop protection programs have a big impact on how late you can make a change? Well, uh, from what we've heard, a lot of people still haven't made that fertilizer choice yet. Uh, the the dealers are uh, they've been slow to buy inventory, slow to restock. Everybody's kind of waiting, and certainly the cold, wet weather that we're having at the uh, end of winter uh, isn't uh, getting anybody in the mood to go out there and start spinning wheels much. Although they are starting to plant uh, uh, corn down in the coastal bend area of Texas. Although in other parts of Texas, they're still trying to harvest last year's cotton crop. So it's going to be one of those years. And we do hear there are soybeans still being harvested in the Midwest. Right. And that was that was one reason why uh, I thought that soybean production would be down when USDA finally uh, reported it. Because farmers had been telling us that uh, there were so many acres still out in the field. Uh, so it didn't surprise me that they lowered their estimate of production. And that number could come down when, those, when the farmers see what their losses actually were. How challenging was the government shutdown to people like you who need those numbers regularly to come up with some answers? Well, it didn't give us much to talk about, but it, it did give me time to do a lot of extra research uh, because we weren't writing about the uh, USDA uh, report numbers, and we basically sat on our thumbs for over a month. So I did have some time to do some, some extra research. Uh, uh, one of the projects I looked at was just uh, volatility in uh, both our uh, corn and soybean markets, and it's been declining steadily now since the 2012 drought. And we've had six years in a, in a row of above normal for both crops. The first time that's ever happened in soybeans only happened twice in corn. And the markets have kind of gotten into this attitude where they don't think we could have a bad crop. 
So that's that's the time when you have to take take a look at maybe getting some call option insurance uh, in place, and uh, be careful with those early sales that you can withstand below average yields because this could be the year. It doesn't mean it is, but uh, could be. Have options become a big marketing tool for farmers? Well, uh, I think farmers are still frustrated uh, because they tend to lose money on options. So you have to get into the mindset that you're either going to use them for short-term protection, and there are a lot of tools for doing that now, or you're going to be trading them actively, or you're just going to accept that they are insurance, and it's like insurance on your house. Uh, You feel good when your house doesn't burn down, right? and you still pay the insurance. And we've been paying a lot of attention to the reports out of Brazil. They keep lowering the soybean crop. What are you seeing down there? Well, it looks like it's going to be even even smaller uh, than uh, the Brazilian Ag Ministry uh, forecast earlier this week. And uh, the officials down there said when they put out their next numbers in March, they expect the forecast to be down again. So uh, the crop's getting smaller. So that's good news. It it really isn't going to increase our exports uh, potential a whole lot, uh, simply because there are still huge supplies uh, available around the world. And uh, Brazil still has has a lot of soybeans to sell. In that recent government report showing on-farm and off-farm storage, any surprises in that for you? Well, uh, every state is up compared to last year for soybeans except for Missouri. Uh, The eastern uh, corn belt has more corn than last year uh, still in storage uh, than the western corn belt. Uh, But uh, the basis patterns for both crops are fairly weak, Uh, particularly soybeans. We've seen the average basis about a buck under futures uh, nationwide, which uh, I think has made it difficult for farmers to uh, wrap their heads around selling. But when you look at adding in uh, the market facilitation uh, program payments onto the sales they made at higher prices, most people that I've spoken to this winter, and I ask it at all the meetings I've done, I raise your hand if you're going to make a profit on soybeans with those MFP payments, and most of the hands go up. There has been a, well, you did the first survey, but you have a second one coming up now on acreage planting? Right. USDA will uh, hopefully release uh, their first survey of farmer intentions on March 29th, uh, so uh, we'll put out results of our next survey uh, a week before that, and we'll start surveying growers first week of March. And um, uh, again, it'll it'll be interesting to see just how things have changed. Um, One thing about uh, soybeans, uh, farmers, I think, may be encouraged to plant uh, soybeans because uh, they cost less money, and they also have less downside potential if we have good crops again and low prices. Uh, whereas corn, you have more upside potential, uh, but you can also it costs a lot of money to put in, and so it uh, increases your potential for losses. Hardly a day goes by when I report markets. I don't start by saying optimism on the China-U.S. trade talks today, and then the next day, no, no optimism. It's an up and down day. How can you possibly do any trading or hedging in that? Well, and when you look at the uh, price charts, they kind of reflect the good cop, bad cop statements that we've been getting out of Washington and also Beijing. Uh, The the trade ranges are are narrowing, and we've been trading in tighter and tighter bands, and that typically means that when you get a breakout, it's going to be a pretty big breakout. We just don't know if it's going to be to the upside or the downside, but the charts would indicate 
that uh, because we've had a series of uh, higher lows and mostly higher highs, that's a bullish pattern. So uh, you would think that when the breakout comes, it, it will give us some selling opportunities in the spring. From what you see in the export pattern, are there uh, situations that uh, we're finding other homes for U.S. soybeans that uh, China isn't taking? Well, yeah, the, the, the rest of the world uh, is taking our soybeans, but the total inspections are still down 35 uh, percent because we didn't get that big surge after harvest. So we're spreading them out uh, more throughout the marketing year. Uh, but uh, we have a long way to go. Uh, we're down something like 500 million bushels in terms of the lost business to China so far. It's very difficult to make that up. There have been years where we have seen Brazilian soybeans come into the eastern part of the United States because of transportation costs. Is that still happening? Uh, unless somebody, uh, uh, there's a real unusual situation where somebody is going to deadhead a ship back and it, it, it just pays them to, uh, to load it up and send us some soybeans. The price differential uh, before freight uh, you know, you know, would indicate that that's, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but uh, if uh, where it could happen perhaps is meal, uh, because the meal market has been pretty hot. Uh, Argentina had a bad crop uh, last year, and they're the world's largest exporter of soy products. So our, uh, our uh, soybean meal exports have been strong. And now the soybean, soybean oil market is starting to pick up a little bit as well. So, you know, you could see it maybe in meal, uh, perhaps, if uh, the market gets out of whack. So we get planting intentions from USDA the end of March. And then we get the acreage actually planted the end of June? Well, uh, yeah, the uh, end of June, that's typically when we get that, uh, that acreage number, although that's based on the survey that's done in the first week of June or so. So there are always some acres that they don't get, particularly for soybeans. Uh, but uh, those are kind of the two big milestones. And then uh, we also get the crop progress reports. Reports will start up nationwide first week of uh, of uh, April, and that's one thing the wheat market has missed, is because normally we would be getting updates at the end of every month during the winter for most of the winter wheat uh, producing states that would give us an idea of how that crop is faring. And after the polar vortex and all the flooding that we've seen from the Delta up through the Ohio River Valley, uh, the winter wheat crop may not be in a very good shape, but the only state that's really uh, reported anything so far is Texas. We talk a great deal about China and the U.S., but there's also some trade situations between the European Union and the U.S. affecting what we can do. Well, you know, that's kind of the next, I think, big, big trade negotiation is going to be with, with Europe. Uh, and the EU has indicated that they don't want agriculture to yeah. even be on the table. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that could be the sticking point that, that really uh, causes di- uh, disruption there. Uh, first, they're going to have to, have to get, uh, get done with uh, Brexit. We're going to have to get yeah. done with China. So I think we may be talking about that this summer. And as we look to Asia, Japan is a pretty good corn market for us. Yeah, we're, we're continuing to, to sell corn to uh, Japan. Uh, some to South Korea. Mexico remains the dominant buyer of uh, U.S. corn, however, and that's why getting, uh, getting the follow-up to NAFTA done was so, so important, just to make sure that we keep that corn moving. 
Well, you've got a lot of work to do between now and the time we finish planting this crop. So you'll go to work on the next survey when? Uh, first week of March. Okay. And then we'll watch for it March 22nd. March 22nd. Okay. Bryce, as always, a pleasure having you join us with your expertise on the markets. Bryce Knorr, Farm Futures Magazine. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. At the outset of the show, I mentioned the John Deere earnings report and said I would spend a little more time on that report that came out today. The story is that Deere and Company's first quarter earnings missed Wall Street estimates hurt by higher raw materials and logistic costs, as well as by the slowing trade between the United States and its partners, particularly China, sent its stock lower. The world's largest tractor manufacturer retained its 2019 earnings guidance. Full-year net income expected to be $3.6 billion with a 7% annual growth in equipment sales. But whether the company would beat or miss the guidance depends on the outcome of the ongoing trade talks with China. That's one of the biggest export markets for U.S. agricultural products. Hoping the trade issue would be resolved soon, Deere built up roughly one and a third billion dollars in inventory in the first quarter from the previous quarter. Stephen Volkman, who is a machinery analyst at Jefferies, says the inventory could weigh on the company's profits if the trade standard prolongs or the standoff prolongs and it may force Deere to resort to cost cuts. Deere's shares were down during the day today. The stock had gained over 9% so far this year. Deer said the trade war has made farmers more cautious in thinking about and making major purchases. And as a result, the company expects industry sales of farm and turf equipment in North America, that's its biggest market, to be flat to up to 5% for next year. So that uh, is one issue on the farm economy, but there was another interesting one this week from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. That covers about seven states in its, in its survey quarterly of the farm economy. And they talked about lower income, but at the same time, they talked about farmland values going up in the last quarter, particularly for good cropland as well as for range uh, for range land. And then back to the China issue, we can't get away from that. It seems, anyway, 
there was talk this week, concern as the Department of Agriculture catches up with the market reports that did not come out during the government shutdown. And so there was some market concern over China's cancellations of U.S. soybean purchases. But soybean traders in China today shrugged off the recent cancellations of import orders as, quote, old business. China, the world's top soybean buyer, sharply reduced its purchase of soybeans from the United States from mid-2018 after Beijing hit the commodity with duties of 25%. But with a trade truce on December 1st, Beijing pledged to buy U.S. soybeans again, booking about 5 million tons in the following weeks. But the U.S. Department of Agriculture's weekly export sales report Thursday showed net cancellations of U.S. soybeans in the week ended on January 3rd. Chinese traders said the cancellations, however, were likely booked earlier than the deals made following the trade truce. So they said, no, don't get all that excited about those cancellations indicating maybe they will begin to buy U.S. soybeans again. But interestingly enough, when they have purchased U.S. soybeans, it hasn't really impacted the market positively. As a matter of fact, some of the days it's been going down. Well, let's take a look at where the markets will be starting next Tuesday because of the market holiday on Monday for President's Day. I keep saying that again because I apologize for mentioning it a week early. It wasn't last Monday. It'll be this Monday. So where will we start? Uh, Livestock trade at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Well, the uh, main lean hog contract gained 87 cents a hundredweight today. So that means we'll start next Tuesday at $68.45 a hundredweight. February live cattle gained 52 cents a hundredweight today. So we'll start next Tuesday at 126.62 and the March feeder cattle contract lost a dollar 27 cents today so that contract will start at 142 dollars and 60 cents a hundredweight on Tuesday now the grain market March wheat ended the day down three and three quarter cents we'll start trading it Tuesday at 504 and a quarter Well, that's our look at the market activity on Wall Street and the world of agriculture this week. As always, we thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week on The Markets.